This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It is Tuesday, it's the 19th of December, 2023. And coming up today, big news about Apple and more of your feedback. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Hey, Sean Priest, how are you doing today? I am happy, Stephen Scott, that we have news. Oh, glorious. I know, it is brilliant. Clearly, they heard us yesterday because we were uh, complaining that there was no news at all. And then Breaking news. All of a Breaking sudden, news. Breaking news indeed. And it is kind of rather surprising news. Uh, this was announced quite late last night here. And it is that Apple will be pausing sales of the Apple Watch Series 9 and Ultra 2 in the US. uh, What? Due to patent disputes, or patent disputes, I guess is how you say it. Um, Patently patent. Patently uh, patented, yeah. uh, Yes. Whatever. Okay. But yeah, so uh, Apple said yesterday that it will be pausing sales of Apple Watch Series 9 and Ultra Watch 2, those specific watches, uh, due to an ongoing patent dispute with medical tech company Massimo. No idea if that's how you say that. Uh, related to blood oxygen sensing. Now, uh, is that unique to the Series 9? Isn't that in the Series 8 as well? Don't think so. No, these are sensors, a specific sensor, I believe, that's inside the Series 9 and the Ultra 2. Uh, and in a statement that came to uh, and, and was shared with uh, 9 to 5 Mac, Apple said that these two watches will no longer be available to purchase on Apple's online store in the US starting December 21st. Uh, or from Apple retail stores in the US after December 24th. Uh, The devices will remain available to purchase in other countries. This is all to do with the International Trade Commission uh, that have uh, ordered a ban on some of these uh, watches, uh, and in particular imports into the US, after finding out that Apple violated Massimo's patents related to non-invasive blood oxygen sensing, also known as pulse oximetry. Now, what's interesting here, and, and very clear on this, because funnily enough, I told my wife about this last night, and she said, oh, goodness, does, does that mean there's something wrong with the watch? Well, no, there's nothing wrong. There's no, no issue with the device itself. There's no issue with that at all. It's the essentially the license for them to sell this particular sensor or have this sensor in the device. So until they come up with an agreement, which basically, to me, sounds like Tim Cook's going to have to get the checkbook out yes. and pay a lot of money here, um, that at that point, then they can start reselling these watches again. Essentially, they, they just don't own the copyright to the song, essentially, right? And they're trying to sell the song. Um, yes. That's, that's how I read it here. Well, some of the technologies, or a lot of technologies, actually, inside the iPhone, Apple Watch, even inside computers to that point, um, is licensed, which means they need to pay a certain fee to the inventors or the owners of the the technology in question. Yeah, it's in this not all case. Apple magic dust. No, it's not exactly right. But this is shocking to me. This is massive news. I was honestly, when I saw this, I thought this may have been fake news. Because so did um, I. Yes, I, I thought that can't surely be true, especially in a territory like the US. I mean, it's a massive place for this to happen. Such a huge um, area of sales, and to Apple to drop the ball in this way. Um, yeah, huge. Unless it's, you know, it could be a case of um, there's no validity to the claim 
of this patent. But the fact that it's gone this far, it's um, pretty serious. Well, yeah, and it goes all the way to the top of the U.S. government. Apparently, U.S. President Joe Biden has until December 25th to review the order. But uh, presidential vetoes of uh, these type of import bans have historically been rare. In the meantime, Apple said it is preemptively taking steps to comply should the ruling stand. This uh, includes uh, stores having branding changed. Uh, There was a a couple of instances last night on, on X where I was seeing people talk about new branding being put up in stores where they're taking down the the Apple Watch, uh, Ultra Watch uh, 2 and the Series 9 branding and just replacing it with Apple Watch because they still can sell. I I don't know if they still sell the Series 8, but they still have that, I think. Uh, And they also have the Apple Watch SE, which can still be sold in the US and very specifically here, just in the US. But that is, of course, a rather large market for uh, Apple. Let's let's go through this. So this is Apple's full statement on this. A presidential review period in progress regarding an order from the U.S. International Trade Commission on a technical intellectual property dispute pertaining to Apple Watch devices containing the blood oxygen feature. While the review period will not end until December 25th, Apple is preemptively taking steps to comply should the ruling stand. This includes pausing sales of the Apple Watch Series 9 and Apple Watch Ultra 2 from Apple.com starting December 21st and from Apple retail locations after December 24th. The decision does not impact sales of the devices in other countries at this time. Apple's teams work tirelessly to create products and services that empower users with industry-leading health, wellness, and safety features. Apple strongly disagrees with the order and is pursuing a range of legal and technical options to ensure that the Apple Watch is available to customers. Should the order stand, Apple will continue to take all measures to return Apple Watch Series 9 and Apple Watch Ultra 2 to customers in the US as soon as possible. Now, this has been a bit of an ongoing dispute, not one that has surfaced massively, it's fair to say, uh, but this has been going on since 2020, according to 9to5Mac. Massimo has accused Apple of poaching employees and stealing trade secrets. These are accusations from the company in order to develop the blood oxygen sensing feature, which is now available uh, actually from the Apple Watch Series 6 and newer. Uh, In January, an ITC judge ruled that Apple had infringed on a Massimo patent relating to light-based technology for reading uh, blood oxygen levels. In a statement yesterday, Massimo have said this, the decision to exclude certain foreign-made models of the Apple Watch demonstrates that even the uh, world's most powerful company must abide by the law, end quote. And it believes the ITC's order should be respected. So uh, this is clearly a, a bit of an on-hold moment for everybody on this until a decision is made. Interesting, though, to note that it's uh, potentially down to Joe Biden to decide whether he wants to engage in this. Now, Apple and indeed a lot of tech companies do have the year of the president, so it may be something that he wants to step into. But again, this is a very interesting and difficult area to get into because we're dealing here with patents and law, and there's a lot more to this than just you know, political grandstanding. That's not really what's going to solve this. It's, it's so incredibly complicated, so technically deep um, that it takes, you know, uh, so so long to sort out. Uh, there's frivolous patent and, and, you know, frivolous lawsuits and just getting through the technology alone and getting through to somebody that actually understands the technology and how it works. I can't see how one man can simply veto it 
and go against everything. They could have a perfectly valid claim there against Apple. And I just looked up the Apple support website here, and as you just mentioned, from the Series 6, blood oxygen monitoring has been there. So it's interesting how the Series 9 and Ultra 2 only have been pulled, and it didn't go further I, back. I, I do, it's something to do with there's a sensor inside the Watch Series 9 and the Ultra Watch 2 that's slightly different in, in the way I think that it measures blood oxygen. And there, it's not just the only... Because, of course, we know there's features inside the Ultra Watch 2 in particular, and, in fact, the Series 9. The double tap feature, for example, is only available to function in that particular or those particular devices. So, you know, there clearly is hardware in there that's very specific. But like you say, and indeed is true, that, you know, this has actually been something that has been developed into the Apple Watch since Series 6. But there's something about these particular devices that clearly has, you know, taken it to the next level. Uh, and, you know, if it's just a case of paying the bill, then, okay, maybe Apple just need to pay the bill. Yep. Simple um, as that. It, well, it, it feels to me as if that's pretty much it, right? They have to pay their licensing fees. They've got to do it. Um, but, you know, the, but we don't really know the intricacies of this. And no. I'm not even going to speculate on it because their lawyers are well, bigger than mine. Then it comes down to <laughs> negotiation of how much that fee, that license for every Apple Watch sold, how much that's do they need true. to pay to yeah. use that technology in every single Apple Watch? I mean, wow, that could be a big check. It's so interesting you said there that when you read this story, the first thought you had was, is this fake news? And it is so interesting now that we, we live in a world where you really have got to check, double-check, triple-check. Uh, you know, before I even thought about doing this story on the show, I wanted to see this story blossom a bit because I read it from one source last night. So did I. And yeah. there was nothing else, even on Twitter about it, nothing. And I thought, hang on, this can't be right. And then bit by bit, Drop by drop, the stories came from other people picking up on it. And, you know, what you've also got to be aware of, and I find this a lot with our articles, is you'll find that so many articles are picked up and they just reference the original source. The original, yeah, that's right. Which is great, yeah. but you have to find that original source to get the story and then make sure that that story is being reported you know, elsewhere. Verify the original source. Exactly, because I mean, otherwise you've got article... one source you're relying yes. on. Yeah. And everybody's just working off that one source. But it does show how things have changed. And actually, it's not a bad thing. I think that, you know, it's interesting because people will say, well, you know, I read this thing online and it turned out not to be true or it turned out to be true. And and I think we've, we've got to be so careful with the information that we have access to yep. that we don't just take it at face value. I don't think we can do that anymore. No, with anything, you got to you got to weigh it up. I mean, this, this, the original source is important, though. You know, there there is sort of uh, the name and the source it comes from. You give it a certain amount of trust, anyway. And the original source that I saw this from, I'll say, which was iMore, yeah, which are usually pretty reliable, right? Actually, very reliable. So, but even then, just the actual the 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 size of the story itself, the claim was so massive. I thought. Hmm, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm going to check this one out a bit more. It's tricky. So much information out there. It's just, how, how do you trust any of it? I know, I know. Uh, listen, I want to move on because I want to talk about uh, World Braille Day, which is coming up January 4th. Uh, we are going to be doing a special live episode. Breaking news. Live, you say. Um, what on earth has he been drinking? Mr. F. 
But yeah, apparently he wants to put us on live. Not that this show isn't live, because we actually do this show as live every day. We just yes. have to record it so we can get it you know, mailed over to Canada in time. It has to be sent uh, via post. Uh, thankfully, we have a fantastic postal system in the UK that sends yes. it first class. The Royal Mail. The Royal Mail. God save the king. Well, that's American, isn't it? Yeah, that's, well, that's kind of wrong. One. I think yeah. that's treason. Actually. Uh, well, that's it. I'm off to the uh, <laughs> tunnel or wherever it is we go. Um, but yes, tower. tower, that's it. Um, so yeah, on World Braille Day, we're going to be live for two hours here on AMI-audio, and it will be available shortly afterwards as a podcast. And uh, those words are going to do a lot of heavy lifting on the 4th of January, I imagine. Uh, but we will get it to you as soon as we can, uh, and we will get it posted onto the podcast. It will be a bit later than our usual uh, 12 noon Eastern, 5 p.m. in the UK time that we would actually uh, push out the podcast. It's going to be near 8 o'clock in the U- UK and probably around about uh, 3 p.m. Eastern. Yeah-ish. No guarantees. Well, not with us, no. As soon as we can, yes. Thankfully, you'll be pleased to hear other people who are smarter than us, and to be honest, the dog could be smarter. There's a um, lot of them. Yeah, <laughs> yes. they could. Uh, they're going to be in charge of making sure the podcast gets there, so we'll be fine. But the key thing is, we're going to be live for the two hours, and we'd love to hear your views. We'd love to get your voice into this program, where uh, we're going to be asking the question to our audience live on air, but also. I want to get you guys involved immediately and make sure that your voice is a part of it. We want to know what Braille means to you. So what is Braille? What does it mean to you? What has it done? And I I get the the big story. We all know that that Braille equals literacy. That is, of course, a given. But what has Braille done specifically for you? Was it education? Was it later in life learning it that it, it allowed you to do something you could no longer do? Did an experience happen? Did you buy the Lego Braille bricks, you know, and you just suddenly thought, hey, I'm going to get back into Braille or or even just get into Braille? Maybe you did a course from Hadley or maybe you tried the fingerprint course or, you know, all these other kind of things and it got you into Braille. What specifically got you into it? What specifically did you enjoy it? And why does it matter so much to, to you? So that's my question I want to put to you because I'd love to get your voice in that. So, so email in. I'd love a voice message if you can, but if you want to email in, that's fine too. Uh, we just need to wake Laura up from her uh, Christmas cake uh, hibernation. Sleep. Yes, exactly. Yes. Um, but we will uh, hopefully get uh, get Laura to read your emails in time for the show. We definitely will aim to do that. But I would love to hear your voice. So do email us feedback at doubletaponair.com or leave us a voice message. And you can do that at any time, 1877. 803-4567. If you follow the show on the website, you can find our uh, contact details there as well. If you're in other parts of the world, there are contact numbers there, so you can check all that out. But everything comes to the one place. So call us, leave a voicemail, or drop a voice note onto uh, an email and send that to us as well. You can also get in touch. We'll be asking the question on social media, and we'll read those out on air as well, but I'd love your your voice because, of course, it is an important day, Sean. It's an important day to talk about. I, I know a lot of people like to focus on Louis Braille, and we will do that. We will be talking, of course, about the man who invented the code. You couldn't not talk about him on that day. But it is also important to talk about where we're going with Braille. I have a lot of thoughts on this, 
and uh, we'll have a panel. We're going to be discussing it with them and we're going to have some interesting guests as well. So, yeah, check it out the 4th of January, live on AMI-audio. Live. Which, if you're in Canada, you can listen to uh, via our website or via AMI.ca. But also, everything's available via doubletaponair.com, so you can go there and you can find the Listen Live button. Uh, not available outside of the UK, or the not available Canada. outside of Canada. I apologise, um, but it is uh, available on podcast and will be after the show has completed. So, World Braille Day, fourth of January, two-hour special live on AMI Audio. Join us for that, and also find us on the podcast straight after and share your thoughts. But, but share your thoughts now. We'd love to hear your thoughts now. If we can send them in as soon as we can get them included in the episode. So get in touch. Feedback at doubletaponair.com, one eight seven seven eight zero three four five six seven. We'll keep you busy during the holidays. We've always got something for you to do, haven't we? We've always got gift guides and things to get you keep you busy. Speaking of which, by the way, the Double Tap Gift Guide is up on the website right now. You can go and check out parts one and oh. two. There's also a picture of Sean and I wearing Santa hats. So if that intrigues you, you can go find that too. Well, yes, I am intrigued because I do not remember ever posing for a photo with a Santa hat on. You, you absolutely did not pose for a picture with a Santa hat on. But that's the joy How of the internet. dare you? Have I been photoshopped? You've been photobombed or photoshopped or whatever the right phrase is. Yes, you've been photobombed by a Santa hat, which, by the way, doesn't fit you. It's kind of amusing. Oh, mine right, fits perfectly. Yours, oh, what a surprise! Barely fits. Who was behind <laughs> that? I wonder. Am I also wearing speedos at the same time? <laughs> this is a disgrace, sir. It is a beautiful festive. We're like we're like um, Bob Hope and the other one. Ah, oh, good. Uh, no, I don't know who the other I one is. I can't remember. Did Bob Hope not have a sidekick? Um, we're going to get emails. Mar- I can tell. That's you know, Marilyn Monroe. I, I'm not going to get any emails now, but Braille. I'm just going to get Bob Hope <laughs> emails now. I can just tell. Uh, right. Speaking of which, uh, shall we? Uh, shall we? Shall we? Emails. We get emails. We get your emails every day. Every day. Here's your mail today. <laughs> Sorry. Did I put you off? Back to normal. Uh, right, on to uh, emails, and we start with Tracy. Hi, Stephen and Sean. Thank you, Laura, for reading this. What an interview with Matthew. He is 100% right. I have told my kids that the Xbox has games accessible for blind only, luckily to find out before buying one that they are not for a totally blind person. As for the blind versus vision impaired, try explaining to a sighted person you are vision impaired. It doesn't work. Mental health absolutely does play its part in being blind. When I lost my vision suddenly at 16, going from a little vision to none, with no support, family not knowing what to do or say, I had to go it alone, contend with school, which was mainstream. It was hard, to say the least. Do I wish I still have some vision? Absolutely. To see my kids and all the useful tech that is around today that we could only dream about in the 80s. I want to say why, unless there is a reason among us, does it matter if you have some vision or not? I identify as me. Not blind. I tell sighted people when necessary, but we all bleed the same. We are all human. Let's stop identifying and just be us. Who we are. I am sure this will be ongoing, but thank you for it. It needs to be talked about. Take care, everyone. Tracy. Oh, Thanks, Tracy. Really appreciate that. And I, I think you're right. I, I think it is a subject that is going to roll on and on. But it's interesting, Sean, every time I do this topic, every time it comes up, I get people saying, Please talk more. Please say more about this stuff. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's surprising how, how that interview resonated with so many mm. people. And we, we knew it at the time when we, when we did it. But uh, again, we were slightly, you know, not worried, but we were thinking how this would fit in. But again, you know, I, I think as a show, Double Tap, where we have these conversations that it's a tech show, honestly, is a bit, you know, started out as a bit of a joke. But mm. you know what? I think we've, we've grown. I'm going to say it, Stephen. I think we've grown. And, and this is an important conversation to have. Well, after finding that Christmas cake the other day, I certainly have grown. I will say this. Oh, I take I, it all um, back. I, I uh, started last night. I don't know if you've done this, right? So we, we, my wife came in last night. She had all these bags of stuff, shopping, and, 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 and I thought, oh, what's all this? And she said, it's basically the, the things that she, you know, she's got gifts for her work colleagues and friends and family and Nothing for me, I might add, but... Um, well, you buy your own presents, Stephen. Well, this, this is true. Yeah, but we're talking like, you know, boxes of cakes and, and treats and, you know, <laughs> sweets and stuff. So she, she starts sort of laying everything out and how she wants she wants to lay everything out. She wants to put it all in little bags to take to various people. So all very lovely, right? At, at that point, I started... I have to say, I kind of went a little bit apocalyptic. Oh, jealousy, Yes. Uh, well, no, but what I mean by that is I started using the old-fashioned, or what will become, if you know, we do end up in an apocalypse, uh, what will become the uh, bartering system. So oh. essentially, I was, I was sort of walking up to her with a cherry cake saying, can I have a chocolate Santa for that cherry cake? <laughs> That's not a trade at all. Anything with cherries is the devil's work. We've, we've established this already. Can I have a chocolate well, I mean, Santa? How dare you? I, do like a, a cherry cake. I will. I won't lie. I do enjoy a cherry cake, but I prefer a chocolate Santa. And there was a chocolate Santa available in lieu of. It wasn't available. Basically, you stole it. No, I swapped it I, I, for it something a, terrible. Old fashioned there's, bartering system. There's someone oh. else's Christmas ruined. They <laughs> open it up with glee and wonder, and what do they get? A cherry cake that's been mashed around by Stephen Scott. <laughs> Should be ashamed. I did. I got I got Sydney I checked the date. It was still in date. To me, that's a win. <laughs> and it will be after uh, holidays. So, you know, I think this person's win. The, the actual date on it was like February 2nd. Oh, wow. I mean, that's a cake you can enjoy all year round. Yeah, probably 2050, right? Knowing your cakes full of chemicals. Oh, it's <laughs> oh, a disgrace. I love those cakes. My favourite cakes. There's a, there's a cake I get from the local store, and it is so moist. Oh. And what's terrifying about that cake the word is it's moist. moist after like five months. <laughs> How is that possible? I read an article, this is God's on truth, I read an article about a, a woman who had gone to Starbucks, she's a journalist, she'd gone to Starbucks and she bought a coffee and she bought a muffin. And the muffin comes in this little paper bag. And she sat the muffin with, in the bag on her windowsill and she's sort of thinking to herself, I'll get to that, you know, I'll have that later. Oh, yes. So the next day she forgets about the muffin completely. Next day, she comes into the office. She says, I didn't eat the muffin. So she opens it up and she finds it's perfectly fine. You know, nothing wrong with it. Yes. And she sort of has a think to herself. And she says, I wonder how long I can leave this muffin. Dangerous. Okay. She left a year. These are the kind of articles I read online. So <laughs> when, I'm, when I'm not reading, obviously, very important tech articles. Yes, yes, yes. She left the muffin for a year. And... She opened up the bag and she noticed it was getting a little bit, you know, it wasn't looking its best. Yes, green. But she opened it up 
cut into it. And she said, yes, I even took a bite. And it tasted the same as it would have tasted on day one. Now, see, I look at that story and I say, there's a wonder of the modern age. How glorious is that? No waste. But yeah. on the flip side, is that a good thing or not? Is that a good thing? I mean, it is kind of weirdly impressive. Yep. But it's against the laws of but nature. Also, exactly. It's utterly <laughs> terrifying at the same time. I mean, the thing is with me, there's absolutely no chance a muffin would survive any longer than two hours. No, that's right. I'll get to that later, like I've ever said that. That's never going to happen, right? I mean, that that has never happened in my house. Anyway, thank you for that email, Tracy. I have no idea how we got from there to oh, cake, yeah. but I appreciate your email. Thank and, you. And uh, we will continue to always have the the difficult conversations in this show. It's what we do, because I think the, the thing for me is these conversations are conversations we have as a community a lot ourselves. Alone, we have these conversations with friends, and we'll have the you know, quiet conversations. Mm-hmm. We never talk about it publicly, and that's what's surprising people. I think the fact that we're actually having these conversations, the fact that we're being honest and we're saying this is the reality we face. The mental health is a great example of that, because I, I just don't think people talk about it enough. We we talk around the topic a lot. We talk around the subject of oh yes, and of course blindness can impact on your mental health, but nobody really goes any deeper than that. And I think that's a, that's a shame because there is a depth to it that, that perhaps people maybe don't want to talk about. I understand that. Individuals might not want to talk about it. Those of us who can talk about it should talk about it. And that's yeah. why we did. So, yeah, but it's, it's a conversation that's going to come up time and time again. And uh, I appreciate that you you enjoyed the conversation, Tracy. Um, moving on to uh, Hamish, who wants to talk to us about a British TV streaming service. Dear Stephen and Large Orifice James. Oh, I figure if the Kiwi is going to abuse you, Sean, then we here in Australia can at least do it with a bit of class. Okay, buckle up as I'm going on a large rant and Laura, your best grumpy voice, please. I have been feeling a bit homesick for Manchester, so I decided to fire up the Apple TV and launch the ITVX app for the first time in a while. ITVX? Where have I recently heard that something that has been rebranded to X has gone to hell in a handbag? (laughs) Anyway, back to rant. I open up the ITVX app and so far so good. I down arrow through the horizontal options of things like trending and soaps and then try to arrow across the various offerings only to be greeted with one of 22 of 20, etc., which commences the blood-boiling process. I then use my super software analytical brain to figure out that I can navigate to categories and then audio described and hooray I'm presented with a long list of programmes that actually speak to me, so this is wonderful. I decide that a nice dose of lovely Mancunian is called for, so I find Coronation Street and the list of episodes, and, with great anticipation, I push the centre button on the remote to commence my northern trip down memory lane. Oh yes, before what goes horribly wrong, I must point out my viewing setup, as it has relevance. I have a 4K Apple TV hooked up to my Samsung TV, and using two new-generation HomePod biggies in a stereo pair for the audio, so that Stephen knows what speakers I'm using. So, back to the story. I push the centre button on the remote and eagerly await the delightfully nostalgic theme tune for Cory with its lovely audio description, only to be greeted with please turn off airplay in order to watch programmes on ITVX. Um, it wants me to turn off the speakers my Apple TV is using in order to listen to the programme? This is utterly bonkers, and surely I am not the only person on the planet with this setup. I realise I can turn it off and listen using the terrible speakers on my Samsung TV, but come on ITV, this is ridiculous. 
What on earth were you thinking? Surely I can't be the only person using HomePods to listen to Apple TV. Wondering if any other listeners with similar setups are experiencing this phenomenon of joy. Thanks for listening to my rant, which of course will come to nothing as ITV have not even responded to my feedback. And apologies to Laura if my ranting has caused stress. Have a nice cuppa and a chocolate hobnob. That always makes the world a better place. Cheers from Hamish, the non-Scottish sounding Mancunian resident in Australia. That is the point I was going to pick up on. Wow, that's confusing. Um, That is an excellent point. And you know what? I haven't looked back at ITVX for a while now. I must admit, I didn't know about the airplay issue. That's just bonkers. Um, But yes, since the going through trending category and, you know, box sets or whatever it is, and then just having to one of 20, two of 20, and you've got to go to each of those to see what it actually is, you know, hit OK on it, and then you'll, it'll give you the title, and then go mm. back, and then navigate to number two of 20, OK, see what it is, go back. It's so laborious, and it's such a waste of time. I agree, absolutely. I emailed um, ITVX about this as well, heard nothing back, so it's terrible. I totally agree. It is so frustrating. I, for a little while, they fixed it on the Apple TV app anyway. There was a period of time where it was fixed and it was reading again, all the different items, but then that went away again. They keep seeming to break it. I don't know why that is. Uh, And you're right, the navigation setup is not brilliant at all. I will say, though, what's what's most irritating about that is that for me, in the UK, for those who don't understand, ITV is, is one of our main broadcasters. And it produces a lot of high-quality drama and has done for many years, right? There's lots of shows that are available worldwide that people watch and and probably watch on their own networks that are from ITV, and they're very good. And for many years, these programs were just not available even here to us because we couldn't get them with audio description on demand. If you missed them on television, if you didn't know they were on and they had been broadcast, that was it. It was too late. It was back to the old story, right? It's the same story over and over again. Yep especially over here, you have this issue where it's, it's broadcast with the audio description, and then after that, it is unavailable on, uh, on an on-demand platform. Now, there was a period where, and this is such a weird story with ITV, and it is a weird story, actually. So they brought out an app. Well, they had an app for all platforms, but they only had audio description on the Android app. Remember that? Wow, I know that I had blocked that trauma from my mind, but yes. <laughs> so you could only get it if you had an Android phone. You could then watch ITV with audio description. So then you would think, well, okay, maybe I could cast that onto, say, a TV, but you couldn't cast the show. Well, you could cast the show from your phone using, say, a Google Chromecast. You could cast the program onto your television to watch it, but the audio description didn't go with it. Which is so bizarre, right? Like, it's like big banging a- my head against the, the brick uh, yeah, wall. I've got to buy all exactly. this stuff. I've got to buy a new phone, a Chromecast, <laughs> to, to still not be able to watch the show with audio description. And why would it be just for Android as well? I remember this rant. But, I mean, you're streaming this audio and video from a different yeah. place. Why, why does it matter where it's ending up? It, it should, I, I, yeah, it blows my mind. And more than that, okay, the, the, whatever the technical difficulties are, the coding, dif- I don't know. But the point is, where's the interaction? Where's the feedback when we're pointing this out to ITV? That's well, it's something I'm going to really chase. Worrying. I'm going to chase this, actually, because this is something that's, that's getting irritating. And again, so, you know, 
we move on from the Android saga, it then becomes available with audio description on the iOS app, but not on Apple TV. And th- at that point, it was called ITV Hub. They had uh, originally had ITV Hub. And then they scrapped ITV Hub, and we all thought, oh, please, please, please. And I had heard rumors about changes coming and improvements and all that to the service, and then it became ITVX. And we were kind of surprised at the start because the app was pretty accessible. Yeah. And it had audio description. And the reason that's most frustrating, especially with the Apple TV, is that you you can't access the programs, and there are so many of them that have audio description. There are dramas on that network I've never been able to watch that I really want to watch. Yeah. And I just find it almost impossible to find what I'm looking for. Or at least do the traditional look through and actually see what there is. You know, if you know exactly what you're looking for, you can find it and you can play it and that's fine. But if you want to just browse, it's a challenge. Which is and what we want to enough. do. There's some things there, I, like some programs where I think, oh, I totally forgot about that. I'd love to watch that again, you know, from yeah. my youth. Or, or, or first time, right? Because again, yeah, we, we yeah, missed yeah. it because it didn't have, or it had AD, but we missed it. Uh, and it's, it's the fact that they've put all the effort. It's just why it always frustrates me. The networks have put all the effort in. It's not like, you know, if it, I could almost, almost understand it the other way around. If it was inaccessible and all the content wasn't audio described, you could say, well, from their point of view, they could just turn around. I know they wouldn't do this, but they could just turn around and say, well, you know, we don't have any audio described content, so, you know, whatever. Yep. That at least I could understand. I wouldn't agree with it. I'd, I'd be horrified by it, but I could at least understand yes. the logic. I don't get the logic of... You can't get over the front door to access all this stuff we've made for you. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Makes sense. And then even if you can, you can't listen to it through that, which uh, that is, is airplay. That is ridiculous. I don't understand that whatsoever. Oh, right, okay. Got me well, annoyed. we need to get into this. Yeah, I know. We're going to get into this in the new year. I'll get in touch with my good contacts at ITV. We're oh. going to sort this out. This is not good enough. We will fix this, Hamish. Uh, no, can I just say as well, what did you say? Giant orifice, Jim? Is orifice... Jim more classy than um nose no no i don't think it is maybe it is in australia uh, yeah you know different different uh, country different different way of doing things um right <laughs> love you australia right coming up next <laughs> more of your feedback send us your feedback to feedback at double tap on leave us a voicemail at one 803 4567 you're listening to double tap this is Double Tap. Now, back to the show. Okay, time to get back to the emails. And uh, Glendon has a view on uh, audio description once again. Let's uh, hear what Glendon has to say. Greetings, Stephen, Sean, Laura, and all Double Tappers from Glendon in TO. Just before giving my feedback on the lovely and talented English ladies' talk on audio description in Friday's interview, it might be helpful if I first remind some of our listeners that I am a teacher slash professional musician, so I'm very sensitive to the elements that go into any show which enhance the audience's love and appreciation. As a former teacher for the school board, I also needed to learn how to engage the students even in the most boring topics so that I could keep their attention for optimal learning. I was a history teacher, by the way. Long story short, the main point I'd like to make with regards to Friday's interview is that the more senses which are being used in the communication of our words, such as sight, hearing, touch, smell and taste, and even the number of people involved, can increase its quality and the more fulfilling the presentation of that communication can be. 
When two people have a conversation in person, they are able to use hand gestures and eye contact or have cologne on, for example, if they'd like, and they might touch the person on the arm to convey their feeling or emotion with their words. It gives more depth and dimension to their conversation, doesn't it? In essence, I find that the more senses we use in our communication, the more life and energy we are able to bring to our audience. This is why we lose a huge amount of information in our communication when texting. Here we lose the body language and voice intonation which add a dimension of emotion to our audience. Using the voice description analogy, when we blind folk are listening to a movie, we will feel more fulfilled if the VD person is alive rather than a virtual synth voice. We will innately feel appreciation and respect in that the movie company has taken the time to invest in another human who has enhanced our perception through their voice intonation, speed variations, pitch, etc. So that when we go to a stage performance, the larger the audience is, the more energy we sense, and the more connected we feel when the band or actors are live rather than on a big screen or in a movie theatre. In live performances, we will experience many other things going on which affect the stage performance and ultimately become part of the show. As well, there can be interaction with the audience and stage, which will breathe more life into the show. Audience participation is a great tool for the stage performer. I'm just remembering the Rocky Horror Picture Show back in the 1970s when we all took a cigarette lighter out of our pockets to move the show to a higher level of appreciation in that we have become part of the performance. While technological advancement is awesome, in many ways there will be negative effects which always accompany any revolution. Our physical and emotional interactions are bound to suffer and of course that all-important sense of love is bound to take a hit. Is hoping that the powers that be and the scientists will be able to create a virtual computer environment for society that will compensate for or accommodate the losses that will occur. We will certainly need a new physical health regime for society which will give us a break from our motionless computer lives so that we can maintain our mental and physical health as well as being productive for our fearless leaders. Big smile. When thinking about the great David Suzuki's findings on what he calls the plasticity of the brain, we can be assured that no matter what happens, humans have the ability to adapt and change to just about any new environment when push comes to shove. When looking over the past millenniums, we have much evidence to corroborate this theory. Bar a huge global disaster, things will be just fine and eventually return to the prosperous days once again. I just hope that those pesky seven deadly sins don't interfere with our ability to get Mother Earth back on track – That's all for now and hopefully I didn't drag on too much. Thanks again guys for your great tech shows and your awesome feedback component that gives many listeners a sense of family who may not have many opportunities for social interaction in their lives. All the best, Glendon. Wow. Well, he's a smart guy, isn't he? I feel completely ridiculous. I know. How how (laughs) insightful was that? Yeah, very insightful. I don't don't know what to say to that, to be quite honest with you. Uh, Absolutely. Well, I think it's true, though, that I think ultimately it comes back to this point about, you know, if we virtualize everything, if everything becomes an AI voice and, and that becomes our voice of audio description or, you know, the voice of our lives, then it can get, you know, it, it loses that sense of humanity, that sense of connection. I think that's true. I mean, I find that even just, I look at it again from the screen reader perspective and how disconnected sometimes I can feel from that voice. I can be listening to something and then be completely drifting away from it, not even engaging with it, because the voice isn't engaging. And I'm always on the search for the next voice to just, you know, something that will just engage me a bit more. You know, if someone reads your story, it's like an audiobook, right? I mean, if you imagine someone coming in to your house and sitting next to you, as you navigated around the computer, they would speak to you. 
and say, oh, that was funny what happened there, you know, and give just a little bit of response, the whole experience would be so different. I'm not suggesting that we get, you know, IRA equivalent you know, screen readers. Oh, that would be cool. Oh, I don't know. Ira could be your screen reader. Ah, <gasps> uh, no, I, I, that I, would cost. There's uh, yes. <laughs> well, we've had this discussion of when we were talking about AI narration for audiobooks, right? If it really yes. was a valid option, and the the balance between an audiobook uh, from a publisher that maybe doesn't have the resources to employ a voice actor to make an audiobook version versus you know, hey, anyone can use this service for an AI narrator. But there is that, it's innate in us that there's that uncanny valley um, feeling when we're listening to something. No matter how good that AI voice is, there's always that feeling that something isn't quite right or it's just slightly off. And it's because it's just missing that human... Uh, well, it's I, I because it gets it wrong. So it'll get words wrong, right? Or something else. Yeah, say but even something if it doesn't, something wrong. even if it doesn't, I still feel like it's, it's just missing. It just doesn't get something quite right. Yeah, but that's, but that's what I mean. It's, it's because if it's making mistakes like that. So, I mean, for example, mine will say live instead of live or read instead of read or what's my favourite? Deef blind, which always makes me laugh because that's very Scottish <laughs> yes, in its, it is. its pronunciation. Instead of deaf blind, it's deef blind. And I, I don't know why that just makes me smile, but I, don't, I know why because it's it's just a, a very Glaswegian way of saying things. Are you using Fiona um, as your TTS? <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's weird for this American voice. That's the weird thing about it. Uh, you know, if it's yes. American eloquence or something, that just feels weird to me. But I think it is funny how we can connect with a voice. I mean, so in, in the UK, we have a show, I think in America, it's called Dancing with the Stars. Here it's called Strictly Come Dancing. And in the last, in this season that's just wrapped up, they had a live audio describer. Now, I've never watched Strictly, partly because I always thought, what's the point? You know, there's nothing I'm going to get out of it. Yes. But now with the audio description, my wife and I are like, maybe next year we'll watch this because it just, the audio description was incredible. And it was live. And I don't think I've ever watched a show that's had live audio description apart from the Paralympics when they were in 2012 in London. Yeah. It was the last time I ever saw it. And she gets excited by it as well. That live aspect. She laughs with it. She she gives some real tones to it. Yes. Yeah. But it's really good. And that's what I loved about it. It was so engaging and it kind of felt, I mean, I think the one thing that's going to happen, one, the thing that needs to happen next with audio description, the next evolution, I don't think it has to be AI. I kind of don't want it to be AI. I think we need to invest more in human voices doing this. And I think the same true, is true for audiobooks. I think for, for, for no other reason than, it, it, I, I mean, I get the, the fact that the industry, the audiobook industry is booming. Right, I mean, the, the, I think the figures I read were something like it's like twenty-five billion dollars a year industry. Wow. That's going to increase to like fifty billion in twenty years, or maybe even five years. I mean, it, these numbers don't surprise me because the number of people engaged in that is brilliant. But I do fear that that will there will be a cost to that. That in order to keep costs down, they will look at AI as an alternative to human voices because it's cheaper. It just is. Yes, but I think that will affect sales. I don't think people... Well, in our community, maybe. But would sighted people care as much? I don't know. Mm. I don't know. And it's only if the sighted people, and I'm talking to you, sighted person, it's up to you 
to kind of drive this one, actually. It's not up to us. Yeah, fix it. Because we can shout and scream all we like. But <laughs> well, well, but look at Audible, right? I, I think about this in the sense of look at how Audible's become. Now, Audible didn't become the company it is because of blind people. Audiobooks began because of blind people, for sure. But yes. Audible, as a company, isn't a success because of blind people. It's a success because of the millions and millions of people who are sighted and blind who are buying books, right, who are subscribing to that service and are listening to it. Those people, those customers, will determine what happens next. And you're right. It's up to the customers to decide if they want AI or not. And I don't think that I don't think we should ha- go down that route, to be perfectly honest, because it does disconnect us. The evolution, I think, that what needs to happen next for me, in particular with audio description, though, uh, different for audiobooks, but for, for audio description, we need to find a way technically to disconnect it from the TV audio. It needs to start becoming a floating voice. Yes, absolutely. And we keep hearing, like, this is going to happen. I've been hearing it for years and years and years, you know, especially about the, you know, surround sound and how every audio uh, object is an object and can be placed anywhere. And, you know, there was talk about how audio description was going to be the same. You could have it just streamed directly into a, a Bluetooth earpiece or coming out of one speaker in particular just never seen it particularly take any effect it's never really happened no i'd love to see that 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 would be my ideal and you know it's funny because my wife and i are both you know both blind so we're both i I hesitate i hesitate on that only because my wife doesn't like calling herself blind so i I say i'm blind she doesn't she she says she's visually impaired so we're not going to get into that but you know the point is um that we both use audio description so you could say, well, you know, in your case, it can always be on. And that's fine. But, you know, we were watching something the other night and the music on it was really good. The, the music on the show or whatever it was. And I just, I kind of wanted to hear it. You know, and I thought the problem is when the AD track is on, it's talking all over the music. And that's, that's part right. of the production. And I kind of want to hear that. You know, if it's a really great track or whatever it is, mm-hmm. I love that. My, my One of my favorite movies is Deadpool. I love Deadpool. And Deadpool 2, at the end of it, I'm not going to say anything about the movie in case you haven't watched it, but at the end of the movie, the last, the final, as the scene as it wraps up and the, the credits start, it's Cher's song, If I Could Turn Back Time. And if you watch the film all the way through, you understand the significance of the song. And when that starts, it kind of starts at the chorus, it's just a turn it up moment. It's just like one of those moments where if you've been watching that movie, that is a turn it up loud moment. Yeah. And if an audio describer's talking all over that, reading the credits, it, it spoils it. It just spoils it. And it's not, and it's like, I don't want to lose all my audio description to just enjoy that moment. It's almost like you want an AD pause button, you know, just, just yeah, shush for yeah, a minute. That's you know? right. Yeah. <laughs> well, of course, the, 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 it seems to me, like with so many things, in my opinion, the perfect solution is a smartphone app. I mean, mm. we, we remember back when there was, I think Disney did it for a time and there was a, a couple of other apps as well where you would simply start the app up and it would listen to whatever movie or tv show you were listening to and it was able to fingerprint it like shazam or Soundhound. it would know what show that was it would pull down an audio descriptive track and it would sync it to exactly where you were in that tv show and start playing it i yep. mean that makes total sense to me i mean it would work in cinemas you know at home you could just listen to it on your smartphone and have audio description personal to you. That makes total sense to me. 
Yeah. Do you know what else it would do? It would it would take away this whole lottery of audio described content being available. If you can find the show and you can download the audio description for it, then problem solved. I mean, if, if you say, for example, you want you found a show like I was telling you yesterday about Die Hard on Disney Plus. Yes. Doesn't have audio description. But that film does have AD, right? So yeah. if I can, if I've got an app that has got the ability for me to just go and search for Die Hard, the movie, and download the audio description for it, and I've got the film, in theory, I should be able to just hit play, hit, you know, start on my phone, it, it syncs up, and that's it. Job done. It, it can take, I mean, in a way, it takes the onus off the provider. So that's a, maybe a dangerous place to end up. But <laughs> it kind of just allows me to control that and get access to it. Because all I want is access to that track, right? I just want access to that. So if that allowed it to happen, I'd be all in on that. You know, that maybe that's maybe that's part of it. Maybe there's some kind of Marrakesh treaty which you got for audio. Exactly audiobooks. what maybe I was you need just something say. like that for Yeah, for let's audio just have a resource of audio descriptive tracks. Then it's just, it's done once, put in that resource, then any other broadcaster who wants to use that could just drag it down and use it themselves. I mean, why are we recording and re recording and re recording audio descriptive tracks depending on the yeah. broadcaster? I know that oh. seems to happen so many times and you know, different countries and I mean, I understand languages, that's one thing, well, but course, I don't understand yeah. it between different dialects. I mean, if the, if it's a US audio-described track, why would it just not be available here in the UK or in Canada? Why is that? Why does it have to be redone? You know, if I, if I live uh, in the north of England, does it have to have a north of England accent describing? Why would that be? What's, we're back what to Coronation Street again. Yeah, does that, does that make Deadpool more local to me? Not really. American movie, right? Why would I want to watch it with a North of England accent doing the description? It doesn't make sense. This yep. is why companies like International Digital Center that we talk about so much, just to me, just nail it. Oh, yeah. Because they actually focus on these things. They think about these things. And that was the interview with Fern uh, Lullum I'm, I'm That's right, talking yeah. about there. Yeah. Uh, let's go to a voicemail. This is from William. Now, we were having a chat about, it was Kyler was asking about where to buy uh, talking watches in the U.S. William uh, might have the answer to this. Hi, Steve and Sean. This is William from the United States. I want to say that I really enjoyed the podcast. In regards to your question, Steve, about what to buy products in the United States, the ones I can think of would be MaxiAids, Independent Living Aids, LS&S, and the... NFB and American Council of the Blind and the American Printing House for the Blind and Humanware. And I was wondering, do any of your listeners or you or Sean know of any new products for blind people? Wow, that's an open-ended question. That's a huge question. <laughs> new products for blind people. Um, wow, I, I think the short answer is... Uh, define you i need a i need a category william i need something to work off on that because I, I there's a lot of products out there there are a lot no, of products i think that's a good point though i mean as in a new category because there's always you know talking watches if you go down categories in any of those um places that you mentioned there william absolutely but is there anything new i'm, I'm thinking immediately of the talking um air fryer that we've funny that's exactly about. what i thought as well yeah that's not available in the u.s though that's no the that's right yeah yeah Although, I guess you could buy it from Cobalt in the UK. This was, I guess, the question that Kyla was asking, right? He was looking to buy talking watches from them. And 
it's, it's one of those things where perhaps a deal needs to be done. I mean, I, I have a feeling with that product coming out, with the Talking Air Fryer coming out, I think that is going to generate a lot of interest. And there already has been a lot of interest from our interview talking about it. But I think, you know, I, I sometimes, dare I say, I think sometimes these companies are a little bit narrow-minded in their approach. It's like, oh, let's get this product out. It's really good. It's a really great product. Let's get it out to the UK market. And you kind of think, why why not sell this worldwide? <laughs> I mean, come on. I get there's obviously different regulations. That's and, the uh, thing, though, isn't it? Regulations, different yeah. power um, I get that's a, a big requirement. I understand yeah. that. But then is there a way that they could partner up? That's ultimately the best way, isn't it? Partner up with a company. Distributors and things like that. Yeah. 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 I don't know. We've got some interviews coming up in the new year, and, and it's the, exactly that. You know, these companies that are not going to develop this particular product on their own in the US, for example, they're going to partner up. Because it's not just about the product, actually. It's about the support level as well, right? You don't want to have a situation where, you know, you're calling, you have to call up a UK company to get product, you know, support when, you know, obviously time differences and everything would make that quite difficult. Mm. So, you know, I can understand why that might be the case. But I do think some of, some of these uh, companies that make specialist tech could do with just thinking a little bit more broadly. For their own benefit. I mean, why not, right? Make more, more money. More sales, yeah, absolutely. Making great stuff. We'll buy it, you know. If it's good, we'll buy it. And I, I am seriously thinking about getting this air fryer. I know you are too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, we... I don't know if we've got time to do... We've got, we've got one more email, actually. Let's play in. I'm just trying to pick one because there's so many of them that I know will just send us off on a... On a... <laughs> Anything sends us off on a tangent. I, well, I know that's true. Uh, let's go to John, who wants to mention Be My AI Privacy. Hello, Stephen and Sean. I was listening to the December 4th, 2023 show and heard Sean comment on using Be My AI to go over receipts. Be My AI is a wonderful tool and I find myself using it almost daily. My question for you guys since you are the alleged tech experts, should there be any worries about photographing account numbers that may be on the subject receipt? I have been listening to the show and enjoy the banter between you guys and the occasional tech update. Although, to be honest, 90% of the tech stuff sails right over my head. Please keep up the good work. It's an interesting question when it comes to privacy and Be My AI, but in any service that's using ChatGPT or OpenAI as a backbone anyway, um, I honestly still don't know the the hundred percent answer to this. Now, well, I'll tell you the answer. Okay, go on then. Stephen. Don't do it. <sighs> no, I'd be very cautious about that. Anything with any you know any personal information at all, I'd be very wary of. I mean, it's not so much that uh, it's so complicated this issue because it's not that someone at OpenAI, for example, is going to be looking at those images. That's not really how it works at all. Actually, what's happening is those images are being consumed. And then essentially feeding the beast that creates the database, the knowledge base that is AI itself. Which is why In it this grows. case, OpenAI's uh, large language model. The language is all the information we're feeding in. You know, just think Johnny Five zipping through his books <laughs> in short circuit. That's essentially what Showing AI is doing. Yes. I know, just a bit. But right? in, in the recent, well, recent, the, the OpenAI event with Sam Altman, he specifically said, your data does not feed the AI data set. Yeah. And that was, that was something that really stood out to me because that's, it was always the case that the, the reason it grew so quickly was because our data was helping it grow. But yeah, so did I. And, and that's always been my understanding. Of it. However, what I would say is I would just err on the side of caution. If it's private information, 
I would not suggest you do that. And Be My Eyes are quite strict on that as well. They're saying, look, yes. don't do that. If it's personal information, medication, those kind of things, always seek alternative ways for you to investigate that. I'll be honest. I mean, there's even question marks around, you know, would you use seeing AI for something like that? Does the data go to the same place? I don't know is the short answer. I just mm. don't know. Yeah, I feel somehow it doesn't um, with seeing AI, but... Because BIAI has to go off and get the answer. Anyway, look, we're out of time. Uh, we'll back tomorrow. We'll continue this. Thanks, Sean. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.